everyone. This is Amanda Borshaldan, and welcome to Times Will Tell, the weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. This week, we're speaking with Ariel Zwang, the new CEO of the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee. She is a longtime CEO of other nonprofits, but for the Jewish world, it is still a real rarity to see a woman at the top. We'll speak about a life of breaking glass ceilings and what still needs to be done for more gender parity. Also, Zvang discusses the JDC's footprint around the world among all nations, regardless of religion, its work here in Israel, and how the mammoth organization is trying to get more input from the next generation of leaders. Enjoy. Hi, Ariel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where am I finding you? Hi, I am here in my home office in New York City. And uh, actually just back from five weeks in Israel. So it was good to go and also good to be home. Such a pleasure to meet you. Now, I am such a fan of the JDC. I think hands down, it is inarguably the only Jewish organization that everyone considers is doing good work all the time. And you are the first female CEO. How does that feel? (laughs) You know, uh, I sometimes, uh, it feels great. I sometimes think about, um, you know, people who talk uh, to actors who've been discovered supposedly overnight and they say, what does it feel like? And the actor says, well, it feels like I've been waiting tables and acting for 15 years and finally got discovered. Uh, you know, I've been a nonprofit CEO for 20 years. So although this role uh, at JDC is new to me. The role in general is not new and, um, and one that I've, I've enjoyed being in for, uh, more than two decades at this point. On the other hand, I'm really, uh, grateful to JDC and also recognize them, uh, us as the leader we are, um, because, um, because JDC is leading the way and has led the way. I have, Many, um, uh, senior women colleagues who have very leading roles at JDC. We've had, uh, board members, even women presidents. So it's an honor to join the ranks of the other women at JDC. Um, and I'm just so glad, so glad to be here. If I'm not mistaken, this is your first foray professionally in the Jewish world. You've uh, previously, you were, as you said, the CEO of Safe Horizon, which was formerly the victim services agency, not a Jewish organization, a very Jewish ethos, it seems. What did you do there? What is this organization? Well, um, yes, Safe Horizon changed its name from victim services of, gosh, it's probably 15 or 16 years ago or more than that by now. Um and, and what Safe Horizon is, is the largest provider of victim services in the United States. And Safe Horizon works with victims of crime, all crime and abuse, but, uh, for most of its time has specialized in domestic violence, child abuse, human trafficking, sexual assault, terrible, terrible things that people do to each other. The reason the organization originally called Victim Services changed its name to Safe Horizon is that, um, Safe Horizon is a more accurate portrayal of the hopes and dreams and intention and mission of the organization, which is to help people move from crisis to confidence. And um, even though it's a- victim services is an accurate name, Safe Horizon is a more emotionally accurate name. Uh, and that's the work that, that they do and that I was proud to lead for uh, more than 12 years. 
Now, I would assume that not all of the clients there are women, but perhaps a majority were women? Yes, a majority were women. But uh, as you correctly point out, anyone can be a victim of intimate partner violence, regardless of gender. Certainly, anyone can be a victim of child abuse, regardless of gender. Anyone can be a victim of sexual assault, regardless of gender. So, yes, the great majority of clients were women, and the great majority uh, of people who experience those kinds of victimization are women. But uh, it's a real mistake to um, to not include everyone who needs help, which is what we did at Safe Horizon. And now you've moved into the Jewish world, but yet one of the things that I love about the the joint, the JDC, the Joint Distribution Committee, which What's in the name anyway? But in any case, one of the things I love about the JDC is that while it does cater to Jews, it is not only for Jews. I remember speaking with one of your predecessors who was explaining about one project that uh, fixed roofs in Ukraine, I believe, and there was a duplex. And of course, they didn't fix just the Jewish side of the roof, rather the whole roof. Do you have any more examples of this, especially during the COVID era? Well, we work with, um, as you say, primarily Jews around the world, but we don't, we don't see, um, our non-sectarian work as kind of either or, 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 or something that's not inherent to our mission because we do it through a Jewish lens. And so, um, a good example, a good pandemic example is the work that we did in India. Now, reading about the terrible, terrible, uh, just loss of life and health in India as a result of COVID, at JDC, we wanted to take action just like anyone reading about that would want to take action. And we did that in ways that are typical for us in our non-sectarian work, which is um, first of all, we partnered with the local Jewish community in Mumbai. So we've been working in India for decades and decades together with the Jewish community there. And they directed us to uh, particular hospitals where they knew there was great need and that other humanitarian organizations were not likely to reach. So that was one, one element is we work, um, ideally, uh, with and through the local Jewish community. And then the second in that case is um, the use of Israeli technology. So the ventilators that we brought were Israeli made. And the um, we also set up telemedicine so that uh, Israeli doctors could help medical providers in rural areas who had really no way of knowing the best, you know, most latest approaches to treating the virus and so forth, uh, you know, could have access to that. So I think that would be just a really great example of where uh, it all came together for the uh, American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee to do work through a Jewish lens that benefits anyone, all of humanity. Now, moving back to uh, the role that gender has played in your uh, career, you are, as I said, the first female CEO of the JDC, and there are not very many CEOs in the Jewish organizational world in general. What do you think about this uh, fact and and being a a breaker of the glass ceiling? Look, you know, uh, 
I, <laughs> I majored in applied math in the eighties. I was one of the only uh, young women in my math classes. It, this was in college. And I think that, and, and I want to say I went to an all girls high school. So I really understand and believe in the importance of, um, of any group that's in the minority not being a token and having community. It's really important. It's important that there not be only a handful of women in any role. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'd like to see more women around the table at the Conference of Presidents, but also the president of the Conference of Presidents is a woman. And, um, and so, uh, I think that it's really important that all organizations be mindful of what tends to prevent women from progressing ideas about who's got leadership capabilities, um, ideas about who can make the necessary time and professional commitment and to really question those ideas because we want all the most qualified candidates, no matter who they are. And, you know, certainly I include women in that, uh, to have an equal shot at leadership positions, uh, senior executive positions, CEO positions, board leadership positions. We need all of that to get everyone's best work. What I find fascinating just as an observer, as a journalist, is that if you scratch away from the top tier of, that is usually male, almost the entire Jewish nonprofit organization will be female. How does that happen repeatedly? I mean, that's a phenomenon that's, that's also much broader. For example, um, if, you, um, if you look at the issue of race more broadly in nonprofit organizations, gender but also race, um, you can have organizations that are very diverse, but they get whiter towards the top. Similarly, what you're talking about is a phenomenon in which you can have organizations with a lot of gender diversity, but they tend to get more male towards the top. And again, those are broadly the reasons that we know, all the reasons that, um, that, uh, that society perpetuates and self-perpetuates uh, seniority for people who are similar to those who are already senior. Um, and I think that's, that's the basic explanation. And unless we're very mindful, um, about really interrogating those decisions as we're making them, they're going to persist and self-perpetuate as they always have. Now, the current younger generation, I'm already dating myself as an older generation at age 45. But I'm with you all the way. <laughs> but those who are in their 20s are, just aren't taking it anymore. They just don't understand why this should be considered a fair play. And I wonder if this is also causing a bit of a disconnect between the Jewish communal organizations, these mammoth things. You have something like a $300 million uh, budget and there are other organizations with such budgets and yet the youth just don't feel connected to them anymore. Do you think that's part of it is the gender? What else could it be? Yeah, I'm, I, I think there's a, a, a many, many, many things going on, um, all at once. You know, we have overall trends, not only in philanthropy, but also look at the way young people work and want to work towards much more, um, 
independence, starting your own, doing it yourself. And this is a trend that, that's been going on for decades. Um, so I think that, um, there is a generational, uh, a, a approach to philanthropy also, which says, I want to start my own. I want to be very close to the work. I want to experience it myself. I want to have decision making. And I don't blame people for wanting that. And it is the work of larger organizations to figure out how to make our work equally appealing. Because the fact is that what a seasoned professional organization with decades or more than that, in case of JDC, more than a hundred years of history can accomplish through its knowledge, through its networks is just enormous and world changing. And yes, the onus is on us to figure out how best to engage people of any age in that work. At JDC, we've been doing that through our Entwine program, and I think very successfully. Uh, we have young board members on our board. We have people in important decision-making roles in our organization. Um, but speaking for society overall, it's not yet enough. We need much more to figure out how to truly engage all generations in the work of Jewish peoplehood. I couldn't help but think about uh, one of the other things that JDC is known for, which is its startup mentality in terms of social programs. And perhaps, I don't know, just throwing this out there, this could be another way to uh, interact with youth who perhaps don't have the leverage that the organization does have and yet get some good out there in the world. Uh, just an idea for you. Now, I wonder if you can discuss a little bit about how you see the tensions between Israel and diaspora, another hot button issue, especially among the younger generation, but really throughout American Jewry currently. So, you know, first of all, JDC is non-political and always has been, and that is very, very important to us. So we do our work regardless of, you know, which government is in power and who feels how about which governments and so forth. So just want to really strongly state that we work people to people and we always have and we always will. And also in every part of the world, we see increased polarization. And we also know that generally speaking, those are tough times for Jews where there is, um, you know, greater polarization. I will say that at times like that, it is especially important for Israel and for the Jewish people to focus on the things that bind us together and bring nuance back into our conversations. And that is something, you know, I was in Israel for five weeks, as I mentioned uh, before, and just seeing the real Israel beyond tourism, beyond history, how people really live, the work that JDC does addressing social challenges, empowering the vulnerable in all parts of society, including literally every, every element of Israeli society. I think these are the things that we need to stay focused on. 
Hi, it's Sarah Tuttle Singer from the Times of Israel. Come join our community and support fast and fair independent journalism. You can sign up with the link at the bottom of every single article on the site. As I was preparing for our uh, conversation today, I saw that you made a little video of your trip to Lod, which was, of course, yeah. in May, one of the hot spots of unrest between Jews and, and Arabs, Israeli Arabs. And I think this is a story that doesn't necessarily get across to uh, American Jewry in general, that there are these places of quote-unquote coexistence, rough coexistence, uh, the kind of coexistence that is perhaps on a rugby field occasionally, but you were there, and how did you see this place playing out? So, you know, Israel, 20% of Israeli society are Israeli Arabs. And I experienced, and, and I don't know what the percentage is about Haredi Jews, but I think it's similar, a, a similar type of percentage. Um, what I saw in Lod is... The work that JDC has been doing with that community for a long, long time, and not only in Lod, but throughout Israel, helping all people who have the shared interest of a successful state of Israel to progress to help Israeli society do better, including workforce integration, improved education, improved municipal management, um, regional management of municipalities. These are all things that can be a little boring. You talk about improving how a municipality manages itself. But if all municipal, and, but we do that work at JDC. But if, if all the parts of the Israeli government are functioning equally well, we'll have uh, less income disparity, less friction, and less of the kinds of tensions that did erupt in load and elsewhere where um where where people are reacting to uh, elements of society um that 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 don't feel yet like the Israel that we would all want to see with peace with harmony with mutual respect and regard of everyone for everyone and that's what JDC is working to build so you also have family in Israel, I understand. And how does that affect you in, in terms of how you see the country versus an American who perhaps uh, only reads about Israel in the news? My brother made Aliyah about 10 years ago. He's a doctor in Tel Aviv uh, who works with the Eritrean refugee community there. And um, I, again, I'll use the word nuance. Um, you know, uh, I think the things that we often read about in the paper in the U.S. are appropriately some of the most troubling and emotional, emotionally troubling and significant issues that, um, you know, that, that the state is facing. And I think what I've learned from having a brother, you know, who's lived there all these years is how much more complicated it is. And, that we need to have nuanced and complex solutions for problems that are nuanced and complex. And I wonder, as a final uh, question, have you had any negative blowback from any of your colleagues in the, so in the nonprofit world for taking on a Jewish organization at this uh, point in time? Absolutely not. Uh, I am 
for me, coming to JDC is marrying my lifelong engagement in Jewish life with my 30 years of engagement in nonprofit work that helps make the world a better place. And the work that we do at JDC is so much a part and parcel of that, that I can't imagine anyone and no one ever has said anything other than, wow, what a great organization that you've gone to. I would have to second that 100%. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. And I am very grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and share more about JDC, which I love to do. Thank you so much for listening to Times Will Tell and a special thanks to TLV1 Studios for sound production help. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to Times Will Tell on all podcast platforms. (laughs) 